it seems like these days air travel is starting to get a little bit more back to normal. Uh, if, if you've traveled by air recently, that is. I, I know last month in October, Laura and I had the chance to take a trip where we flew in, and it was, it was a full plane, every seat taken. Some of that getting back to levels that we had known before. And with that comes a little bit of the routine that goes along with air travel. If you've traveled by air, you know how this goes. There, there's sort of that, that game you play about finding flights, you know? Right? I'm shopping around and getting the best deal and, and doing that. And All right. I know only a few people in that who are willing to shell out the extra money for upgraded seats right, to, to sit first class or however that may be. But I know plenty of people, and maybe you do too, who will perhaps pay a few extra dollars for the direct flight rather than the one that has to hop around to all these other airports, right? The, because those layovers, those layovers that when you travel by air, it adds hours to your travel, wherever that is. Now, there may have been a time going back a while ago when when air travel itself was sort of this pleasant or enjoyable experience. I think we know it's not like that anymore. There's not much pleasant about traveling by air. There's not much pleasant about dealing with airports and security lines and all the things that go with it. So it seems to us that the premium, right? I mean, the, the priority choice when it comes to air travel is, get me to the destination. And if there's a direct flight that can do that, put me on that one. Don't send me all over to these other airports. Don't give me the layovers. Get me to where I'm going and make it happen as quickly as possible. I mean, that's kind of the society that we live in anyway, right? That, that we are people who like things now. And the least amount of waiting we have to do, the better. Right? Microwave ovens will heat up your food in seconds. Amazon Prime will have your packages to you the next day. The internet has all the information in the world in the palm of your hand instantly. We're not used to waiting for things. What we try to do is find the direct route. Get me to my destination as quickly as possible. Leave out the layovers as much as you can get. I wonder the way in which we bring that same kind of a cultural mindset into this Advent season. All right, we know it's Advent. We know that Advent is this season of waiting. In fact, perhaps you've heard it explained before that the word Advent itself means waiting. But as we wait at Advent, isn't it true that often our waiting is accompanied by this nudging thing in the back of our head that says, and get me to the destination. It's all about getting to the destination. So that even here in this first Sunday of Advent, we're already thinking and talking and singing about the glory of God, right? That the glory of God is revealed. We, we sing about and we talk about the reason Christ came was so that we can know the salvation of God has come to us. We jump right to that. Let's get to that destination. Let's always be looking ahead to that. Let's get there. We're not very good at simply waiting 
in the places where we are. We're not very good at layovers in that sense, right? I, I want a Christmas story that gives me a ticket to board the Advent Airlines direct flight that heads straight to joy to the world. Let's just get right there as quickly as we can. No stops. Let's go. But the Christmas story, right? The, the story that we hear again this year and we hear every year, it's a story that includes layovers. It goes out of the way. It has some stops along the way in places that we did not plan on going. And I think that's intentional. It's intentional that the story comes to us that way. We're going to see some examples of that in this series going forward, of some of those ways that the story of Jesus at Christmas plays upon some of those stories of Old Testament Israel and their experiences and makes connections into our world and our experiences as well. And we're beginning today with a story about a layover, an unscheduled stop in a faraway place that did not arrive as a direct flight to the destination. Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to begin by reading some passages that show us some Old Testament connection. All right, So I'm going to lay the groundwork here by looking at some of the Old Testament framework that goes behind this and then get us to the story where it shows up at Christmas. The first place I'm going to bring us is all the way back to the very beginning of the nation of Israel, the father of all of Israel, Abraham. There was a story in Abraham's life, if you know how the story goes, where Abraham was called by God to go to the promised land, the land of Canaan, the land that God promised to give to him. But then somewhere along the way, a famine occurs, and Abram has to leave. So the first verse that I want us to see comes from Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12, verse 10, says this. Now there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. So right at the beginning, Abram takes a little side trip, a layover to Egypt. Jump ahead a little bit to Genesis 37. This is the story of Joseph. Joseph who had dreams about his brothers and, and then his brothers attacked him one day. And in Genesis 37, 28, after Joseph had been attacked by his brothers, it says this. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers, the brothers of Joseph, pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. Another layover, also in Egypt. Jump ahead to Genesis 46. Now this is the time when Joseph had been in Egypt and spent some time in prison, but eventually interpreted dreams and, and rose to be the ruler of all Egypt. But meanwhile, back in the land of Canaan, his father Jacob and all of his brothers are again short of food in a famine. So, Genesis 46, those brothers come to Joseph in Egypt and receive food and find out that it's Joseph, and Joseph invites them all to come over, and it says in chapter 46, verse 6, So Jacob and all of his offspring went to Egypt, taking with them their livestock and the possessions they had acquired in Canaan. 
They lived in Egypt then for 400 years. And during those 400 years where the nation of Israel multiplied to become a nation, they eventually became slaves under the Pharaoh. The prophet Hosea summarizes that in Hosea 11, verse 1, talking about the Exodus, when Hosea says this, When Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called my son. A reference to the Exodus that would take place. Let's fast forward then into the Christmas story. I'm going to take a few verses from Matthew 2. It's the story of the Magi, the wise men. This is a story that I trust most of you, maybe all of you, have heard at some point before. Wise men in the east, they see a star. They know it means the birth of a king. They follow the star. They go to Jerusalem, where the capital is. They ask Herod, who's the king at that time, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We see a star. We've come. Herod gets his counselors together. They say Bethlehem is where he is. So they follow the star. They find it in Bethlehem. They find Jesus. They present their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. You know that story. You've heard that one. I'm going to pick it up right after that, right? Here's what happens immediately after the Magi, the wise men, find Jesus and present their gifts to him. They are warned in a dream, go back another way. Don't go back to Herod. Then, Matthew 2, I'm beginning at verse 13. When they had gone, the Magi, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Layover. All right, this this is part of the Christmas story that gets cut out often, perhaps always, right? This is part of the story that, that we don't focus on. This whole thing about having to run away in the middle of the night and having to spend years living as immigrant refugees in another country somewhere. That part of the story where soldiers come in and they kill every single boy two years and younger in this village and everywhere around this village. We skip over that part, don't we? I bet that most of you, maybe all of you at some point, have seen or gotten Christmas cards that that somehow have this artistic rendering of the wise men, 
right, the Magi. Some kind of a card with a picture on it where there's these Magi, maybe they're riding camels, they're walking across the desert. There's a big star there. It's over a stable or it's over Bethlehem as a town, something like that. You've seen pictures of that. That's what we think of when we think of the wise men, the Magi. I bet there are no Christmas cards that show pictures of Mary and Joseph running for their lives in the middle of the night. I bet there's no Christmas cards that show soldiers marching into a town and slaughtering all the baby boys. We don't make cards out of things like that. But it's part of the story. We just skip over it, don't we? We just push that one completely out. There's a layover in Egypt that happens here in the Christmas story that we have completely knocked out of the story because it's kind of gruesome. It's not where we want to be. It's not the destination. We are the people who say, you know what? Get me on the direct flight to joy to the world. Peace and love and all of that stuff that comes at Christmas. Get me on the direct path there. Don't take me to this layover place in Egypt. Don't take me to this place where all these other kids are killed because of this. That's not what I want Christmas to be about. That's not the focus here that I want to have into this season. We try our best to skip this layover and knock it out of the Christmas story. But it's there for a reason. This happened the way that God put this story in place. That there's this layover episode that goes to Egypt and it pulls on other stories, doesn't it? It pulls on these other experiences of Old Testament Israel. The story and the lives and the experiences of God's people have now become the story and the life and the experience of Jesus. That Jesus comes into a world in which he lives and experiences what his people have lived and have experienced. That's where Jesus comes in. And so those connections are there. The connection with Abraham in Genesis 12, having to spend time in Egypt, where things don't always go quite as planned, but yet God protects him while he's there. The experience in Genesis 37, where Joseph is sold as a slave into Egypt, and things don't go quite as planned, but God continues to protect him while he's there story in Genesis 46 where Jacob and all of the brothers and everyone who's a part of Israel goes to Egypt and they multiply and become a nation there and they become slaves. Things don't go quite as planned, but still God protects them while they're there. It's a story that connects in other ways as well. It's a story that, the way at least Matthew tells it, he ends with a quote from Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah 31, verse 15, by the way. A quote from Jeremiah taken from the time when the Babylonian invaders came. When Israel, when, when Judah, Jerusalem, was attacked by the Babylonians, 
and all of their children were either taken away into exile, into captivity, or slaughtered, that their children were killed. That's not a new experience for them either, is it? It goes back to that time when we remember God's people were slaves in Egypt. And they were becoming so numerous there that the Pharaoh said, there's too many of these people. And he sends out a decree that take all of the baby boys that are born in Israel and throw them into the Nile River. Kill all of them. Out of that, Moses survives and comes. A story that is echoed 80 years later when the 10 plagues happen. And the final plague before Israel leaves Egypt is the plague in which the firstborn of all of Egypt dies, is taken. Story that shows up again in Jeremiah 31 with the Babylonian captivity in which the children are either captured or slaughtered. And a story that makes its way, whether we like it or not, into Christmas. The experiences of God's people become the experience of Jesus. And it moves forward that way with us. That Jesus enters into the lives of God's people in those moments. You see, not just those moments of of joy and peace and love and all of those things that we sing about, about Christmas being this glorious time, but Jesus also enters into these faraway, layover kinds of places. Those places where Israel did not want to be or expect to be, but somehow they found themselves there. And Israel, this nation which hinged everything on the promise of God, the promise of God for them to have this promised land. And when they found themselves being in this place that was so far away from the land that God promised and maybe ask themselves, how is God ever going to show up here? This is not the land God promised. This is not the life that we were supposed to get from him. God is over there where all the blessings are, where the joy is. And we're stuck over here in this faraway layover place. And in that, in that moment, the Christmas story comes and it reminds us Jesus came there too, right? Jesus arrived in those faraway, distant places, as well as the places of joy and peace and love. You know, that story of Old Testament Israel in all of their layover experience in Egypt, that's meant for us too. That's part of our world too. It's a story that maybe brings the question to mind today. So what is your Egypt layover like? Where is your Egypt layover this Advent season? That faraway place that seems stuck, in which everything inside of us is just screaming, get me on the direct flight out of here. Because this is not where I want to be. Maybe we can all see examples of that 
in different ways in our own lives. Those places where we feel a little stuck and just want to get out. Maybe a job that's not going so well. Just make it better. It's a tough season to work through that. Maybe a tough semester at school. Classes are hard. Just get me past this. Get me out of this. Maybe broken relationships, tension in family, friendships that have disappeared. We pray often for those who are dealing with illnesses, cancer treatment in this church. For those who are experiencing loss of a close loved one. Find an empty chair at their table. We all have moments somewhere, moments where we know and acknowledge this is not quite the place that I want to be. There's a bit of a layover that's happening here. Or maybe it's more general, more general than that, right? We're, we're a world that's still living in a health pandemic, whether we like it or not. How many of us wouldn't love to get on a direct flight out of that? We all would. That's just being honest, right? That we all want that. Or for the many healthcare workers we know who are overwhelmed, burned out because our healthcare system is pushed past capacity. We all want a way out of that. We seems like we always see new stories on the news about somewhere around the world where new violence and war is erupting and taking over. How do we find our way out of those places? When is the flight going to board to get us to where we actually want to be in that destination? You see, that world is our world too. We have those moments, don't we? And so this story then, this story that we sort of knock out of the Christmas story, that we sort of wash away, is a story that's helpful for us today too. Helpful for us to remember that Jesus came into that world. Jesus came into our world. He comes into our experiences. Jesus comes into those far away places in our own lives too. That's what Christmas reminds us about. It's exactly in those faraway places that Jesus shows up. Today we began this Advent season by lighting the candle of hope. And we talk about the hope that we have in Jesus. And it's a hope in this story that reminds us that, that our hope, our hope is not based in having to go find the joy and peace of Christmas. Right? That's not where our hope is. Our hope is not this emptiness of having to somehow fill our own hearts with finding the joy and the love of Christmas. That's not where our hope is. Our hope is not so fragile that it can be shattered at a moment when things don't go our way or when we have trouble finding where Jesus shows up. That's not where our hope is. We light this candle of hope and we claim a hope at Christmas because our hope is that Jesus comes to us exactly where we are. Even, well, 
especially in those places that feel so very far away from where God wants us to be, where we want to be, where we want to experience the joy and the love and the peace of Christmas. Hope comes when God says, I'm going to come to you right where you are, exactly where you are, with exactly who you are. I'm coming to you. And he brings Christmas with him. So where you find yourself today, wherever that may be, wherever those moments of layover may exist in your world, however you experience that, we have hope today. Hope that's not based on going out to find Jesus, but a hope that's based upon knowing that Jesus has already found you exactly where you are. That's where Jesus shows up in our world today. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word and thank you for the reminder that, uh, that the world that we live in, which sometimes feels so backwards, is the world that you came into. So, Lord, even as we long for that joy, we long for the peace that comes with you. We long to know and experience your love. We know that we live in a season of waiting. Waiting which sometimes, for some of us, feels so very far away. But, Lord, remind us that you come to us, your people, no matter where we are find us in the world in which we live. Lord, that is our hope and our prayer. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.